Good morning, church. Come on. This week, we are kicking off a brand new series, and we need our our men to come forward and get something into your hands. We're going to be kicking off the series, Made for More. We're going to be talking about our identity in Christ that is going to take us all the way through our series of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. So the outline for all the messages over the next eight weeks are in there. Every single person needs to get one of these. We're going to be talking about who is God and what difference does the character of God make in all that he has been doing in the world. Do you believe that God is active in the world? Do you believe that he is, he's at work, that he's uh, alive and well, that he is near, not far, that he is working even when we can't feel it and we don't see it? And I'm pretty fired up about what God is going to teach us, what we're going to learn. But more than that, we're excited about living changed lives. We are able to not just learn more information, but to be changed by the power of God. And so as we're, as we're getting started, if you want to open up your, your booklet there, I'll give you a little, a little tour. So you, you even have your own table of contents. You're welcome for those that care. Okay. Uh, as, you, as you flip open to that, you're going to see uh, the prayer and the plan, those first two pages. So pages three and four. Uh, if you're there, I just want to walk through those quickly. Well, here, here's the prayer. No life-transforming journey should be undertaken without saturating the decisions and the steps in prayer. Our request is that each Sunday service, each time in daily reading, and each small group will have these requests as a focus. And so here's, uh, here, here's some goals, prayer goals, that you can personalize, that you can go to these scriptures, but here's a few of them. Make the name of Jesus Christ famous, that, that we would be praying that God would use us to make the name of Jesus Christ famous, that we would grasp the greatness together, personally, not that we would hear about the greatness of God from others, but that we would say, my God is great, and I can tell, tell you the ways, that we as a church would be unified as one body, that we would drink deeply of abundant joy in God. You would make that personal, say, I, I wanna drink deeply this season, these next weeks, to glorify God, to glorify God as I am shaped by him. Would you pray that, that prayer over these next couple months? Identify what needs to be transformed. This is where it gets messy. I need to get specific about what God wants to do in me. And how about this? Repentantly hand over all of me to him, to surrender. Uh, may those prayer points be personalized. May you use that throughout these next weeks to open up every day and to be able to pray through those points. So flip the page, should be able to see page four. Here's the plan. So what's the plan? Glad you asked. The next couple months are designed to walk us as a body through a divine adventure. Our sermons, small group times, daily reading plans will all unite. Total immersion in one direction, God being glorified in the end. So this booklet will be your roadmap. Each day of each week is completely defined within this booklet. This and your Bible is all you'll need for the following weeks. All right. So here's what we're asking everybody to do is to say over the next couple months that we would do this. Attend Sunday service each week. Make it a commitment to be here, to be able to attend a small group, read the Bible each day from the daily reading plan, and then allow God to soften and stir your heart. And so at the end of uh, the message, you, you will see at the bottom of each page, wherever the sermon notes are, that there's a reading plan. And so if you flip the page, you're going to see on page seven, there's a reading plan for this week, Monday through Friday, I know. Thank you, Pastor John, for taking it easy on us that we only have five readings instead of all seven. You are so loved. If you open to page six, 
How about we break in our, our books a little bit? Hopefully everybody's got a pen. You got a pen, you got a pen, you got a pen. If you're ready, everybody say ready. So we're going to be looking at, at this first one. I'm made for more. I'm made for more than just going through the motions. I'm made for more than just working really hard for a, a paycheck and hopefully enjoying a few years of retirement and getting to do stuff that I've always wanted to do. I'm Hopefully I'm living more than just having a few happy moments that highlight the rest of my mundane, boring life. Do you believe that God has made you for more. Well, the only way you're going to live for more is if you know who you are. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been transformed. You now have a new identity. And that's what we want to look at. The first one today, we're going to look at this. I am chosen. I am chosen. If I'm a follower of Jesus, if I've been born again and I've experienced complete forgiveness, it's because I was chosen by God. Chosen. Chosen by God. Well, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at the first six verses of Ephesians chapter one this morning. All right. You think we can do it? Six verses. Everybody say, I can handle it. All right. Here we go. The apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He's an apostle. He has authority to be able to speak. And he's writing to the church that he started in Ephesus. The city of Ephesus was heavy on God's heart because it was heavy on Paul's heart for him to go and start a church for, for people that are coming from various backgrounds, and they meet Jesus. Here's Paul years later. He's in prison, okay? Everybody tracking? He's in prison years later, and he's thinking of the people that he poured his life out into and sacrificed for. He's in jail because of the work that he was doing in part in Ephesus. And he says this, to the saints who are in Ephesus, to the, the saints there, those who are faithful, those who are faithful in Christ Jesus, what does he have to say to these saints, to those that, that were lost and now found? He says this, verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And so here's, here's a, a quick pop quiz, okay? Uh, if we can start here. What in the world is an apostle? Well, there was only a few apostles throughout history we know that it, it was those that encountered the, the one true living God, the man, Christ Jesus. And how, how many total apostles? How many total? You, you don't have to say it out loud, but just do you have a number, number in mind? you have a number in mind? Okay, if, if it doesn't count up to 14, sorry, you lose the Bible trivia quiz for the morning, just seeing if you're caffeinated enough. All right, so we, we had 12 disciples. We had Judas that kind of went sideways, right? So he's out. Matthias ends up jumping in. So there's number 13. And then Paul, he says that he's an apostle out of, out of the timeline, right? That, that he came at a later date, but he joins the club. So there's only 14 apostles ever to live. Are there apostles today? No. Is there anybody standing up saying, I am speaking God's word unless they're opening the Bible, right? There is no more authoritative people walking the earth because all that God wanted to say, he has said, if we want to hear God's voice, we open God's word and we listen to his voice, right? And so Paul's saying with full authority, saints, grace and peace to you. Grace and, and peace. And I just, I wonder how much did Paul believe in the grace that God gives? He was willing to give his life, even willing to be beaten, imprisoned because he received the grace. And what does he want for for his people, his children in the faith, 
this local church that he's writing to, he wants them to experience more and more grace. Have you experienced the grace? Have you experienced the grace, the grace that changes everything? I was living one way and now, now I'm living completely different because before I didn't know the grace. I didn't know the grace of Jesus and, and I encountered Jesus. I had an experience with the one true living God and when I received the grace, it changed everything. Did you experience that? Have you experienced that? He's so fired up about the saints receiving grace and peace that only comes from above. In verse 3, it says, <laughs> what, what do you do when you receive grace, when you experience supernatural peace? What's the, only, what's the only right, proper response when you experience God's grace? He, he just busts out, starting in verse 3, all the way down to verse 14, he cries out heartfelt praise and worship to the God that rescued him, changed him. I don't know what Paul's Greek teacher thought, but verses 3 through 14 is one sentence in Greek. So I don't know if you've ever been busted for like bad run-on sentences back in the day. Like Paul's the worst. Everybody say he's the worst. I wonder if he's so excited about the grace that he's received, so fired up to be able to talk to the church about the grace that is theirs and the peace that they can experience that he's like, he didn't even catch his breath. Like in one breath, he jots down verses 3 through 14. I got some bad news, though. We're not going to make it all the way through verse 14. Everybody say, oh, I know, I know. We're going to get started, though. We're going to prime the pump. Here we go. Here we go. Starting in verse 3. Here's the response. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Celebrate your God. That's the only proper response. Why? Why, why would I celebrate and praise God? How do I bless God? Does God need anything? Does God need anything from you? As if he's like, is he needy? Is it, does he have a little U-shaped hole in his heart that he's just like, if I just had a little bit more of you, then I would be satisfied and fulfilled? Does God need anything? Everybody say no. No, no, no he does not. But when your heart is filled with the grace of Jesus, the only thing you can do is just shout for joy and praise him and never quit and never, never stop. Blessed. God, be blessed. God, you are worthy of all of my praise. You're worthy of all of my mind's attention and my heart's affection, my will's submission to you. God, you are so good. And I can't stop talking about you. Paul, Paul is reminding the church here, that the reason that they can just continue to bless God is why? What, what does he say? Because he's blessed you. He's blessed you. We are all blessed in Christ. In Christ. Everybody say in Christ. In Christ, we are blessed with every, every, everybody getting it? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Are you missing out on anything? Is God holding back on you? Uh, I, I submit to you, he is, he is not. Every spiritual blessing, it's yours, everyone. But I wonder, and I remember being here, I don't know if you go through maybe days, you go through weeks, maybe months, maybe ever since 2020, maybe you can think about years prior where you're like, am I cursed? Am I cursed? Is there something wrong with me? Why, why am I going through this and they get to go through that? Why is it that, is God picking on me? I don't know if you were the, the kid that, you know, during a recess, kickball time, and it's like, like, nobody cares. Nobody wants you on their team. I don't know if you're the one like, well, it's between you and the potted plant, right? And Billy's like, I'll take, I'll take the shrubbery in the corner, right? Like, 
Why is it that nobody picks me? Why is it that I don't have any luck? Why is it that things don't go my way? I don't know if you were always the one out, always the one feeling alone and rejected. I don't know if these past years you feel like, am I cursed? Am I cursed? Does God, God even hear me? Does God even see me? Paul wants to say today, and every day we get to preach to ourselves, I have everything that I need. I am blessed beyond measure. My God knows me. He knows my name. It doesn't matter what I've been through. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I'm about to face. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And maybe it's not the ways that you would like, but it's the ways that you need. But in Christ, I am blessed. In Christ, I am blessed. Let's say that together. In Christ, I am blessed. If you are in Christ, the blessings that you have. And for some of us who go, well, if I was really blessed, then maybe a little bit more financial, please, right? Cha-ching, like maybe it could help me out here. Maybe the blessings that, that God is providing, we can't even see because we're so focused on what we don't have and what we're expecting to receive and what we're let down with and what is needing in our lives to be fulfilled. Maybe we're blind to see God is right there pouring out, but we're not even paying attention because we're so consumed with the thing that we feel like we have to have. Is it, has anybody been there? that I can't even see what God, what God is doing. I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm guaranteed. I'm guaranteed. Maybe not full financial goodness. Maybe not always emotional happiness. Maybe not always physical wellness. But everything that I need and all good gifts that God has at his disposal, he is giving to those that follow him. You've been blessed with the righteousness of Jesus, the love of Christ, the forgiveness that Jesus offers, a guaranteed resurrection from the dead, eternal life forever, because we forget this. We all deserve hell. We all deserve separation. We all deserve eternal death. And guess what God gives? He doesn't just give us a little bit of life. He gives us fullness of life. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Turn to your neighbor and say, guaranteed. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. So here we go. Number one, praise your heavenly father who has shared so much with you. Praise him. Praise him. Is that your lifestyle? Is that your, your accent these days? Do you speak with a natural twang of gratitude to God for all that he has given? Is that your heart posture that every day you'd be committed, committed to remember and recall and meditate on my God is good. He is faithful. He is for me. His promises are true. He cannot fail. He will not let me down. Everything that I need, he will provide. Verse four, as we look at number two, even as, what, what kind of spiritual blessings are we talking about, Paul? What are we talking about? Even as he chose, who is he? Who is he? Okay, a little quiz. We want to make sure we're tracking, right? Paul's talking about God the Father. Even as he, God the Father, chose us in him. Who's him? Jesus. All right. Are we tracking? Even as the father chose us in the son. When did that happen? Maybe for some of us who go, well, that was last week. That was last year. That was a couple decades ago that I was chosen. Well, here's what Paul says. And this is not intended to be a controversial letter to the church in Ephesus. This is intended for us to worship and praise when was I chosen if I'm a Christian? When did that happen? From the text, right? Not my opinion, not my thoughts. No commentary. Before the foundation of the world. Before 
time began. Before anything was made, the Father chose me in the Son in the beginning. Why did he do that? So that I could experience my best life now? So that I could get like cha-ching and cash in to get out of hell free card, get into heaven, live for me? Should we keep reading? Everybody tell me, keep reading. Okay, okay, I will, I will. Sorry, 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 I paused, I paused. Why did the Father choose me, choose you in Christ before the foundation of the world? That we should be holy and blameless before him. So here's the bad news. I'm a rebel and I fight and resist God's law, God's way, God's plan, God's timing. That's really, really bad news. I don't live holy by nature. I don't live a blameless life. Each one of us, right? We've gone our own way. We go astray. It's what we do. We have a, a permanent bent, right? And every time that we try to go left, it goes right. And every time we go right, it wants to go left. We, we don't do the things that we ought to do, that we want to do, that we should do. But here's, here's the crazy part. God doesn't say, work hard, get better, clean up your life. Over time, maybe you can get back on track. He says, before the foundation of the world, he chose from a group of rebels, some to be holy and blameless, not in their own holiness, not because they worked really hard to be blameless, but because God made them to be holy, made them to be blameless. If you're a Christian today, it's because you were chosen before the foundation of the world. If you're a Christian today, you're called to live a certain way. And it's not your way, it's God's, it's God's new way. Holy, totally different, totally distinct, totally set apart, and without blame. How is that possible? Because of the Son. Because of the blameless holiness of Jesus. His credit, my account. I'm bankrupt, he cleans that up. He doesn't stop there. He adds to my account his perfection, his holiness, his blamelessness. I'm blessed, mega blessed. Everybody say that's good news. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Cooperate with your father who chose you with plan and purpose, with plan and purpose. If you've surrendered all to Jesus and Jesus has been changing you, recognize this, that God has a plan for you and it's a plan for you to live a certain way. Not no more fun, God's a cosmic killjoy. God's offering life where we only choose death. God's offering something new where we only choose the old. He's making all things new. That's pretty, it's pretty awesome. But we cooperate with the Father who chose us through Jesus, and we have a plan, and we have a purpose. I, I don't know if you always wake up like Monday morning and feel like, God is good, and he has an awesome plan for my life. In fact, I would probably assume that most Monday mornings you wake up and just go, Ugh. maybe I'm alone in that. Maybe for some of us it's like, that's every morning, right? I'm an equal opportunity morning groaner. It doesn't matter if it's Monday or Thursday. Every morning is, Ugh. and I wonder, I just wonder if we would get a hold of this, that if I've been chosen, if there's a plan that has been put in place, then every day is a day of purpose. Every day is a day of God's got a mission for me to get on if I would just get out of my stuff and out of my head and out of my agenda and get on his thing. All of a sudden, maybe, maybe Monday mornings would, would change a little bit, right? 
as I would ponder on the reality, man, before anything was even created, I was on his mind. That God has a plan not just for me in heaven, he has a plan for me in the here and now, grace and peace today. Even in the midst of circumstances that are so unpredictable, even when I want to give up, even when I want to walk away, that there is a God that has given everything to hold me and keep me, preserve me by his, his grace, that I would live according to his plan. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Everybody say that's awesome. But sometimes we don't feel blameless. We don't feel holy, even though we're supposed to live it. And the number of times I've sat down with, with believers that hear, be holy, be holy, live a holy life after what I've done, after the, the latest blow up. For some of us, we have, we have regrets from the, the recent past even, and we think, I don't feel blameless. I don't feel clean. I don't feel holy. I, in fact, I feel pretty dirty and pretty ashamed. That's my experience. And maybe this morning, we just need to be reminded, the God that chose you before the foundation of the world, guess who's not given up on you? Even after that thing, even after you said that, even after you blew it again, do you know who keeps pursuing you? You know who's after you? You know who's keeping you and bringing you back? The God that gave up everything is not gonna let you go that easy. It's his work in you and through you for you to live this blameless and holy life even when you feel dirty, even when you feel like you've blown it. And I don't know if somebody needs to hear this, but what you have done, maybe in your past, what you have done is a sin. And it may explain you, but by the grace of God, it does not define you. It does not define you. You're not defined by what you've done. You're not defined by your, your biggest failure. You're not defined by what played out last week or the most recent argument or the most recent regret. You're not defined by childhood trauma. You're not defined by what's been done to you or what you've done. Here's the good news of Ephesians. Here's what Paul wants to shout from the rooftops. Here's what he's pinning as he's sitting in a jail cell to the church is, do you know who you are? You are not your past. You are not what you do. You are not your performance. You are not your big highlight reel of regrets. You're in Christ you're in Christ. Everything's different now. Everything has been made new. That's grace. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's grace. Let him know. Tell your, tell your neighbor. It's grace. That's grace. That's grace. Grace to not get stuck. Grace to not look in the mirror with great regret, but instead with confession and then praise. Write this down. If you're taking notes, honor your heavenly father who predestined you to adoption through your brother, Jesus. Oh, there's, there's some theology there, isn't there? We've got to unpack this, all right? Well, it starts here. Verse, verse 4 really trails off. Do you know that, that verse numbers are not inspired, right? So I don't know whose idea it was to, to cut this off, but in love, in love, in love, everybody say in love, in love, in love, my God, what has he done? He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, through Jesus, because Jesus was the first that we are now adopted, part of the family. Verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So God the Father choosing, predestining, adopting, 
through his son. Why? Why would God do this? Why would the Father lay out this plan, the perfect plan, redemptive history, that he would be reaching into the mess of society and culture, of rebellious, created images, little images of himself that have gone the wrong way every generation, every nation? Why would he choose any of us? Why would he predestine any of us? Why would he adopt any of us? Well, guess what? We have the answer. What does verse 6 say? To the praise of his glorious grace. That grace would be praised. That grace would be so awesome, so glorious that we, we wouldn't stop singing about it. Do you realize that 2,000 years later, this is pretty awesome, 2,000 years later, church has been rocking, moving forward by grace, and we can't stop singing about it, right? I mean, there, there's not a year that goes by that somebody is not writing a song for the church that involves something about amazing and glorious grace. We just, we can't get over it. We can't get over it. And we weren't intended to move past it. It's because of glorious grace that we look and see God did it all. He did it all. There's no explanation. It's not about me. It's all about him. He receives glory because he's the giver. The giver gets the glory and he keeps pouring out and lavishing on us grace, grace to the praise of his glorious grace. Why, why does the Father love us so much? Because it's glorious grace. Why is it that he would put up with all of my stupidity and all of my waywardness and my wandering and my rebellion? Why, why does he do that? It's for the praise of his glorious grace. So I don't know what you sing about all week long. I don't know what your soundtrack that's playing in your car or when you're in the shower I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about wanting to sing and lift your voice, but I, I pray throughout these weeks that we would consider it's all about glorious grace. It should never become casual. It should never be at a place where, yeah, grace. Yeah, yeah, God's grace. All right, are you done yet? That we would never be bored, that we would never get over it, that we would still look in the mirror every morning and go, how did this happen? How did I become a Christian? How is it that I'm forgiven? How do I know that I'm going to heaven? Grace, 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 grace. Just can't get over it. Can't move beyond it. It's glorious. I can't stop thinking about it. Why is it that we are part of God's family? It's, it's grace. And if you're taking some extra notes, I don't know if you, you got a little bit of space left, all right? Here we are going to land. Everybody say land the plane. Here we go. Here's a few privileges of adoption. Because what does he say there? He says, we're predestined for adoption. Adoption. Adoption to himself. That Jesus is our brother. That God is our father. That Jesus makes a way for us to be part of the family. And here we go. Here, here's a few. All right, if you're taking notes. We can relate to God as good and loving. As a good and loving father. Why? Because of his grace. Because he adopted us. He brought us into the family. 1 John 3.1. See what kind of love the father has given to us. See it. Do you see it? That we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him because this kind of love, this adoption, it's so strange. We are now part of God's family. We're part of God's family. How about this? God takes care of our needs. Here's a privilege of adoption. Matthew 6.32, the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
pagans. They seek after all kinds of stuff. What do God's people do? My dad's taking care of me. My dad's saying, by grace, my dad meets all my needs. Abba, Father, he's my papa. He's my provider. He's the one that takes care of me because I'm adopted. I'm part of the family. How about this one? God gives us so many good gifts. So many, so many. Everybody say so many. So many gifts. So many good gifts. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things? Everybody say good. Good things. Good things to those who who ask him. How about the Holy Spirit leads us? If you're adopted, into the family of God, you are led by the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit residing in you. Guess what? He moved in. He ain't moving out. You can't kick him out. He's a permanent roommate. He's there to help. He's there to open your eyes to see the wrong way and to point you to the right way. He's there to not allow you to keep on going back, but to move forward. He's the one that leads. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit, confirmation, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. How do I know? The Spirit of God is in me. He won't shut up. He keeps screaming, yelling, encouraging, comforting. He's in me and he's leading me. I know I'm a child of God. I have the Holy Spirit. I've been adopted and I've been given the Spirit of God. God disciplines us as his children. Some of you are like, do I have to write number five down? I don't don't want no stinking discipline, right? He spanks those he loves. He corrects. Good parents know uh, that the whooping is good for you. This is so good for you. Trust me. Trust me. It hurts for a moment. It leads to life. Trust me. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, God's discipline. Don't be weary when you're reproved by him. And some of us, even this morning, we're like, I'm so exhausted because God is trying to correct you. And if you're teachable, and you acknowledge the only reason that God is discipline, disciplining me is because I'm a child. I'm his. My dad loves me. He won't let me go astray. He won't let me keep on doing my thing. He's for me. The, the Lord's discipline, right? He disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. We're adopted and we receive his correction. And lastly, we're members of one family with all believers. All throughout time, all throughout history, all nations, every people group that there are brothers and sisters that we have all throughout history and all throughout the world right now, we are members of one family. Matthew 12, 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Those that do the will of God, there's evidence you've been adopted. I've been adopted into the family. I want to do God's will. I want to live God's way. So here we go. In Christ, in Christ, being part of God's family, I now have peace. That grace that has been poured out, no matter circumstances, I'm part of the family in Christ. I belong. I belong. I have a family. Do you know what I love about our church? Do you know what I love about what God's doing? There's so many of us that are experiencing what it means to be adopted into the family because practically We get to care for each other and love each other and be able to be connected in a way that maybe for some of us, we don't, we can't have this type of relationship with our, with our biological family. And when, when I got radically saved at 21, 
I cease to have commonality with my, my family because now I had such connection with a new spiritual family. And I had to figure out what, what does that look like? What does it look like to now be adopted into God's family and be part of the church, to be part of the family of God? And it didn't take long for me to figure out, oh, the church is pretty dysfunctional, just like, just like my biological family. Oh, they're a mess too but they know they're a mess and they're growing and they're changing and they don't want to stay there because they know that they're chosen and they know they're forgiven and they know that Jesus laid his life down for them. And over the years, I've been able to have family, even being away from our family that Sarah and I have never lived close for any period of time with our family, that, that the church has always been our family. And you know what's awesome? That our kids are able to grow up and be like, well, the, the church is our family, right? We're family, we're family. This is what, I have uncles and aunts, I have grandmas and grandpas everywhere because we're family and we are connected by something that cannot change and that can overcome any division and any obstacle, glorious grace. And so let's stand as we consider the grace that saved us is the grace that changes us. It's the grace that unites us. It's the grace that brings us together as family.